Amen. As I said at the beginning of the service, it's, it's a joy to have Josiah and Ashley here with us. There's a couple of reasons why they're here together. Uh, one being they're both missionaries with Ethnos 360, but as we learned last week when we heard from Josiah's dad, they're also engaged to be married. They're going to be married in, in less than a month. So super excited for them. Be praying uh, for them as a, as a couple and, uh, and also as they prepare to uh, go and uh, serve the Lord in uh, Nepal. First time I ever heard about uh, Ethnos was when it was still New Tribes uh, mission organization. I, I learned about it from my father-in-law who was a, he's a missionary now in the Philippines, but he was at the time the minister of music and, and missions at First Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. And uh, they had a, a, a guy that came up in their church, Jeremy Hambrice, that they were supporting, who uh, we made a connection. Y'all know Jeremy, which is, which is really neat. And uh, went to uh, Papua New Guinea. And uh, my father-in-law began to share with me about the strategy of new tribes, and I got really, really excited. Wonderful mission strategy. They have a desire to reach the unreached, to, uh, to raise up and, and prepare men and women to send them out, to go to uh, areas where uh, there is no church, there are no Bibles in their language, to go and to uh, learn the language and the culture of the people, to uh, translate the Bible into their language and teach them how to read their Bible and understand their Bible in their language in the hopes of reaching them for Christ. Committed to chronologically teaching through the Word of God in, in uh, hopes and, and praying that uh, God does a work in their heart and life and they come to saving faith so that churches are started and God's kingdom advances. So when I heard about Josiah, which I know many of y'all who have been with us for a long time, you know Josiah. You watch him grow up here uh, because we've been supporting their family in a mission ministry for 30 years. Uh, when I heard about Josiah uh, filling a call to mission ministry and going through New Tribes, which is now Ethnos, I got very, very excited, and we began to talk pretty quickly about uh, supporting him in uh, mission ministry and excited to have Ashley with him in, in going together. So uh, at, at this time, I'm going to invite them up so we can hear from, from both of them. And you make sure and let them know that you're praying for them and and. I encourage them after the service today. Thank you, guys. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back with you guys. Um, I always love coming to Jacksonville and just uh, getting to see a lot of familiar faces and meeting new people. And uh, it's it's exciting to have you guys as part of my team. Um, Part of my team to go and, and reach on reach people groups. You guys are a part of that as much as I am. And uh, this morning, uh, I have my fiance Ashley with me, so she's a new part of the team. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> we're getting married July 6th, so that's less than a month now. Um, and since she's here with me, I kind of wanted you guys as part of my team to meet her as part of the or new member of the team. And so I was. I ha I'm going to ask her to just share a little bit about her story, her testimony, and how God led her into missions. Um, and then I'll share a little bit more about Nepal and um, kind of what God's been teaching me through that. So, 
Good morning. Um, it's definitely a privilege to be here with you guys today. As we were driving into town, I saw what I thought was a pumpkin on the side of the road. I'm like, what in the world is there a pumpkin doing here? And then I started to see like a yellow one. I'm like, I don't think that's a pumpkin. And then I saw one by Taco Bell, and then I saw a sign of the tomato capital. And I was like, oh, that's what it is, tomatoes. So um, anyway, it's a, a privilege to be here. And even just worshiping this morning and uh, singing songs, I was just thinking of my story and the privilege of getting to share with you how God has transformed my life. And that's really what it is. It's a testimony of God's grace because I come from a pretty rough background. My parents um, were divorced when I was pretty young, uh, both alcoholics, uh, severely dis dysfunctional family. So um, growing up in that chaos, the Lord, uh, we went to church sometimes, and but I didn't really understand who God was. I definitely did not know the gospel or understand that Christ died for me and wanted a relationship with me and um, that he has a purpose for his church. And so I grew up, I have two brothers. I was born in Iowa. I moved to Missouri when I was about five or six. And um, I spent most of my time living there, actually in the same town where we are currently living right now. So it's kind of this weird circle that I've gone, I've come full circle. Um, but growing up in Missouri, I just kind of did the normal thing that you do as an, unbe um, an unbelieving child, and uh, had no clue who the Lord was. And it wasn't until I was 12 years old, my mom and I, um, we moved to Florida, and Florida Keys of all places, which I did not want to go to, um, except the only thing that excited me about moving there was um, on our way, we stopped at a hotel and spent the night, and I saw this like shark, all these shark videos and things of the Keys and diving, and I was like, okay, if it's that beautiful, I can, I can move there. Uh, little did I know that as that was really a super hard time in my life to leave my family. My dad wasn't in, hasn't been involved in my life and wasn't involved in my life. And as I moved to Florida, um, lacking a family and so craving and desiring, um, and ultimately that desire was to know my Heavenly Father, but I didn't know that at the time. But God was so kind to put incredible people in my life, teachers at this public school that I went to, um, I started going to a youth group and just was being inundated by these people who had this love that was so infectious and so amazing that I wanted, that I craved, but I had no clue what it was. And so after going to youth group for about a year and a half and starting going to church, it started to make sense. And people started to tell me the gospel and the story. And then there was one day about 13 years ago now or something like that, um, it just clicked and I understood Man, what I've been longing for is Christ. I've been longing for that relationship, and I saw my need for him. And, um, and it was pretty awesome how in the, in the void of a relationship with my family, how God was so kind to give me an incredible family um, in the church, this family that we have here. And my youth pastor, uh, he was a huge influence in my life. He basically took me in as his own daughter. And um, he's now married and has two girls, and I call them my family. They've taken me on as their own. So when I go home to Florida, they are they're my family. I have these little sisters that are three and one, and everyone's like, oh, "You have a three and one year old?" When I'm you know almost 29, and so it's a little bit confusing. But um, they were a huge part, um, and he especially was a huge part in influencing me um, in my relationship with the Lord. And so. I wanted, when I graduated high school, I wanted to go into full-time youth ministry because that's where God had so impacted my life, um, excuse me, impacted my life in, um, as, a, as a youth. And so I wanted to be one of those adults, kind of like our age now, who invested in the lives of teenagers um, who needed to know who Christ was. And so 
I was like, I don't, I can serve the Lord without a degree. I'm going to go to Bible college, and so that's what I did. I went to Bible college to get a foundation in God's Word, and uh, little did I know that as I was thinking I was going to go do youth ministry, as I sat under the story of God's Word for two years, my life was radically changed, and my identity and understanding my position in Christ and all these amazing biblical truths, but getting to see the redemptive story of God, that from the beginning to the end, that he's about redeeming people, and he redeemed me so that I could be a part of other people being redeemed as well. And uh, I couldn't get away from the reality that, man, Lord, I want to join in in what you're doing and reaching unreached people groups. And so um, New Tribes, which is now Ethnos, they had a Bible college that I went to for two years, and that's where God drastically changed. And I said, when I graduated, Lord, if you would want me to go and be a part of reaching people that don't know you, um, I would love to be a part of that. And so that was in 2011 when I graduated, and we're in 2019, so it's been a process of the Lord working and constantly directing each step. Um, even on the way to church today, I said, man, I was supposed to go to the training center that we have both graduated from eight years ago, and um, but the Lord had something different. And so... Um, so after I graduated Bible college, I started on a journey. My, my journey was to go to the training center that, um, that uh, the mission organization has. It trains and equips you for tri tribal church planning. And, um, but I just was like, man, I need some more opportunities to grow. I need to um, be involved in ministry. So I did six months overseas in Nicaragua working with women and children in prostitution. And the Lord just, man, used that experience in a lot of ways to... Um, to humble me, to show me my need for dependence on him, to be involved in his ministry. And um, yeah, so I love that time. And it was then that the Lord, um, I was applying to go to the training center then. And um, yeah, the Lord had other plans. And it just as we continue to walk with him, he's, he's so faithful to guide and trust. And I can trust his leading in that. So I went to, um, the Bible college had asked me to serve as a dean of women for three years. So I, I worked at the Bible college that I, had formally attended for three years in women's ministry and absolutely loved it. Um, realized um, what a gift it is to build relationships with women and see them grow in their relationships with the Lord. Um, and that's definitely one of the things I'm most excited about um, in their future as we head over uh, to South Asia to be a part of Nepal and um, reaching people there. So anyway, that's just a little bit of my background, uh, a little bit of my story. Um, so I graduated Bible college. Um, I went home to Florida for a couple years. I served at the training center. And then, um, yeah, just over a year ago now, I think, I graduated the training center uh, for a two-year uh, training program. And then this past year, I've been serving there full-time, doing children's ministry. So I've been watching care of all the little, taking care of all the little humans that um, their parents are in the classes um, receiving the training that we have both received. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of my story. I'm grateful to share that with you. And I wanted to share, too, um, well, I guess, yeah, about us maybe a little bit. <laughs> so Josiah was a year ahead of me at the training center. So um, we just started hanging out as friends and getting to know one another more and more. And then, ta-da, here we are. <laughs> Soon to be married. So I'm really privileged to and excited to be a part of what God is doing together with Josiah and um, excited to see where God is continuing to lead us. And um, yeah, so this, as God has continued to lead us um, in missions, such as that's what I knew. I was like, man, this is what I want to be a part of. Never once did I think I'd be a part of Asia. I was like, I wanted, I know Spanish. I wanted to go to South America. I love the Latin culture. 
And it was, um, yeah, it's funny because he also grew up in Mexico. We both have a love for that. So as I was there, um, God has slowly over the years just challenged and changed my heart um, to be soft for those people in Asia. And um, so this past July, we took a trip over to Nepal as a kind of experiment, uh, not experiment, as a exposure, excuse me, exposure trip. Um, I've been to tons of places in the world, but um, it was a privilege to go there. So Josiah and I went with our coworkers who we're going to be going over with. Their names are David and Sarah. And um, we were there for 10 days. Yeah, we were in country for 10 days um, to just really get a feel for what life is going to be like here and get a little taste of it before we move over. Um, and so one of the things that I was quite shocked by, I've been um, to lots of different countries, and I have driven on the other side of the road, no big deal, but I did not expect the traffic to be so crazy. So here's a little video clip to just give you a little taste of what it was like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh man, all right, so, yeah, you see the cows are just hanging out there in the road. Um, I mean, this doesn't even compare, we had some, we, I don't know what happened to them, we had some funny videos where I was just laughing so hard in like nervousness because you're crossing, you know, four lane traffics and there's no system, like everyone's just coming, like you saw the cars are just cutting in front of you and like, oh, there's a few cows in the road, so let's just completely drive around you on the other side. And I was like, oh my word, how, what is the system here? Like, how do people drive? How do you figure it out? And, um, but as we got to, um, yeah, go there and visit, and just get in, I mean, barely beginning to understand any of the culture or anything, um, but getting to see the, um, the worldview and the, their belief system and their thinking, I mean, it's evident, you know. We, um, our belief system, what we believe, we live and make our choices and all that out of what we believe. And uh, you see that there, and this is a picture in a cab. It's not a super good picture, but it just really strikes me because it's a picture of Buddha on the bottom right, and there's a picture of a Hindu god there in the middle. And so two religions that are, um, these people are deeply entrenched in, um, in Nepal, and scares me so much to think of learning the depths and the intricacies of these two religions that are warring for them. And um, one of the big things that really struck me when we went to Nepal was just the spiritual depravity. Um, I think we can, um, yeah, so the spiritual depravity, we had the privilege of actually going out to a village that I loved um, and uh, meeting this sweet woman there. And I uh, just sat there, and this is a village actually where a lot of the people do have a relationship with the Lord, but we're hoping one day to be in one of these contexts where they don't. And so the spiritual depravity of these people being constantly inundated um, with the lies that Satan would love them to continue to be um, bound to and believe. And um, so, yeah, this lady, she was so sweet. I was like, one of the things I'm most looking forward to about Nepal is um, just building the relationships there with the women. And so, they were speaking in their tribal language and in Nepali. Of course, I had no clue what they're saying, but I just sat down there and they were making dinner. And so I just was watching them and kind of just started peeling pumpkin greens as they kind of taught me what to do. Um, and it really encourages me to think of this humongous task with such a thwarted system of lies that um, is opposed to the gospel in so many ways that the way that we're going to be able to bridge and get to share the gospel with these people is through relationships like this with these people. 
And so I'm really looking forward to and very excited about that. Um, this, um, some of you probably know Hannah Davis. We had the privilege of meeting with her over there, and um, she got to give us a tour of one of the Tibetan uh, Buddhist main places of worship there in this in town that she lived in. Um, and it just was so um, eye-opening, the, the lies that the people are entangled in. And one of the biggest things I think that stuck out to me of the lies that they're entrapped in is this, um, they try to push all desire aside. They do not want to desire because desire brings suffering. And then there's a circle of suffering constantly. And so they don't want to suffer, so they don't desire. And I think, man, how the Lord has created us to know him and to desire this friendship with him, um, to have that intimate relationship with him. And here's this lie that they're entrapped in that says, no, you can't desire anything because desire will bring suffering. It'll be this constant battle. And so that is one, just one small bridge, but it seems massive that we're going to have to work through as we learn their language and learn their culture and understand their belief system to be able to effectively communicate God's word to them. Um, so that's just one thing that seems pretty impossible. This is, this is the place of worship. It's called a stupa. Um, and everything in this building that you, they walk around clockwise has significance to it. Um, the flags that are there, they're prayer flags, and they believe as the wind blows that the prayers on those flags are going up. Um, the, the very top in this gold, you can see like there's a little face, those are Buddha eyes, but there's 13 steps on the very top, and that reaches um, the 13 steps to get to enlightenment. And um, it's just, man, it's just hard, and it seems impossible. But and we know definitely with the Lord that we are able to do that. So definitely we're looking forward to going there whenever the Lord has us um, to go there, hopefully soon, and we're trusting him in the timing with that. So, um, yeah, thanks for letting me share a little bit this morning just about some of my experiences in Nepal in my life, and uh, I'm going to leave it over to you. All right. So, yeah, like, uh, like Ashley said, we got to go to Nepal last July, which was really good for her to just experience that for the first time. Um, and I actually got to go a second time after that, which I'll share about in a little bit, but... Um, this, uh, this picture just kind of shows where the people groups are in Nepal. So a lot of the ones we're trying to target are actually in the northern part. So that's where we'd really like to work. That's where the Tibetan Buddhists uh, mainly are. Um, yeah, just a lot of people groups, about 200 different language groups in Nepal. Um, uh, it's, it's a country that has a lot of diversity as far as their, um, their yeah, just they're living. Like, there's big cities like Kathmandu. That's Kathmandu there uh, on the right. So huge cities, three million people. And then they have, like, this village that we went to way up in the mountains of just, you know, tucked in there, like, so hard to get to. Several days' walk just to get there. And so there's just a vast difference um, in Nepal, and, and people unreached in both places. And so we're trying to figure out how are we going to position ourselves in the best place to reach people that's going to be a long-term impact. Um, there's Hindu people groups there, there's Tibetan people groups, and those are the ones we would really like to focus on. Um, and of course, as Ashley mentioned, Buddhism, Hinduism, those are the, the major religions in Nepal. Um, and then they kind of have this mixed one. That's why, like in the taxi, they had both gods on the dash, because they've kind of mixed the two, and whatever works for you, or whatever, you know, just a kind of a safety, I guess. <laughs> um, so anyway, last October, uh, this is kind of what I really want to focus on, um, about Nepal this morning is uh, we took a survey trip. Trick um, the mission organization we're, we're with the leadership asked us to go and to um, 
survey more specifically some of those people groups, like those little dots that, that I was showing. They wanted us to survey some of those more specifically, find out more about their language and their culture, find out what their needs are. Are there any Christians up there? Like, what does that look like? How hard is it to get in there? Um, all of those kinds of data things that we kind of need before we make a decision as to where to move. So this church actually supported me on that. Uh, you guys gave a special gift so that I could go do that trek in October. So I'm super grateful for that, and I just wanted to share briefly a report on how that went. Um, these are the people groups we surveyed. We surveyed five different language groups, um, and we found out that a lot of those languages are actually mixed. Uh, so those people mix some of those. Some of them speak multiple uh, we found that in most homes, there's at least three languages spoken. So uh, it's just kind of this huge mix of languages. So it's going to take a while for us to figure out and sift through what actually we need to, to learn. Um, this is kind of a picture of the trail we took. So um, we hiked for, I think, six days through the mountains. And most of it's uphill <laughs> um, until you come back. Then it's downhill. But it was a lot of, a lot of uphill. And we got up to like 15,000 feet. So we were feeling it at that altitude. But believe it or not, there's people that live way up there, Pe thousands of people that live up among these mountains. Um, so these are just some of the pictures of, uh, that we took along the way. Some of you guys know David. He was with me last year. He came to visit. So um, we went together on that trip. And uh, Ashley mentioned them. He and his fiance, uh, they're getting married two weeks after us. And we're, we're hoping to partner with them. So anyway, we were going together with them. and. Uh, yeah, I just got to experience what village life is like in a Tibetan world because it's very different there than it is like in Kathmandu, two completely different worlds. Um, and so it was, it was really cool to experience that. And I have a little short video here uh, that just is a quick recap of our trip. So hopefully it'll give you an idea of what it was like to just go up in there um, into those villages where hopefully someday we'll have a chance to work. like to, to hike through there. And 
Um, it's crazy to think of how many people actually live up there, and they're totally cut off from um, a lot of the even resources that, um, that the cities have. They're cut off uh, from the gospel. There's, in a lot of those villages, no Christian has ever gone to share, share with those people. No one's gone to learn their language. And so that was a huge um, part for us to be able to, or a huge uh, thing for us to be able to gather all that data and figure out, okay, what's actually going on here? What are the needs here? And it was kind of exciting, too, to see, okay, like, this is what it's like to live there. Like, could we actually live there? Like, what's, you know, how do we get an out? Because it took us, you know, six days to hike into some of those places. And so um, what's that like realistically for a family? So thank you guys for being a part of that uh, ministry trip. And we, we got a lot of helpful data that uh, we're still sifting through and figuring out, but we'll definitely be using for, uh, for the future. And... Um, one of the things that I think Ashley and I have both realized since our trips to Nepal, and especially on that last one, um, was just the spiritual darkness of, the, of uh, the religion of the people and just how blind they are. And going up to those mountains, um, as you go up, like everything changes in Nepal. Like it's very different from the cities. Um, it becomes all Buddhist up there, so there's none of this mixture of Hinduism and Buddhism. It's, it all becomes Buddhism up there. And people are very much more strongly religious too. They follow the religion very strictly. They uh, do all that they can do to please the spirits. And um, so that really stood out to me. And um, it's really began to challenge me and started to think through, like, man, like, how are we going to present the gospel to these people? Like, they're so entrenched and blind um, in what they believe. And how are we going to um, get in and share the truth in such a way that they'll actually be able to um, understand and believe it? And so... Uh, just been praying a lot about that and, and realizing that, man, these people, not only do they live up in those mountains, like the highest mountains in the world, tucked away up in there in those villages, um, but these people have huge mountains surrounding their hearts, too. Um, and they're just these barriers to the truth. And uh, as I thought about it, I thought, man, the mountain barriers, the physical mountain barriers um, that are keeping those people separated from the gospel are not near as big of a, uh, a challenge as the barriers surrounding their hearts. And so just thinking through that, like, man, God, how are we going to go through and how are we going um, to reach these people? And um, just as I've been thinking through that and, and praying about that, my mind keeps going to uh, the mountain-moving faith that Jesus kept reminding his disciples they need to have. And he, he, he mentioned that over and over. And um, the whole concept of moving a mountain was kind of a... Um, like a metaphor or something that in Jewish culture they use, and it's used throughout the Bible, of things that are impossible for us. So some, moving a mountain is something we can't do, and a lot of times it was used in the context of something people can't do, but something God can do. And so Jesus was reminding his disciples of that, and um, just as I was thinking about that, it can kind of seem like um, these mountains that we're facing, not only physical mountains, but the spiritual mountains of the people, uh, how, do we, how do we overcome those things? Um, I took this picture while I was up there just as a reminder of that, uh, those mountains that we're facing. On the one side, you have the physical mountains that are super high. On the other side, you have this stupa uh, that Ashley was kind of talking about. And these are all over the mountains up there. People built these at the highest points they can reach. They're, they're everywhere. Um, and it's just a religious symbol to the people. Uh, but that's a reminder of the, the spiritual barriers of their hearts. Um, and so as I was thinking about this, I, uh, I was reading in Matthew, and just after the transfiguration, uh, in Matthew 17, uh, Jesus, uh, that, that happened with his three disciples, and he's on the highest mountain in Israel, um, up in the northern part, and so he's 
that's just happened, and he's coming down off the mountain, the highest mountain in Israel there. And um, then he comes to the rest of his disciples, which are in a, they're in a dilemma, because they have this ministry dilemma, this spiritual battle that they faced, um, and there's this dilemma because they weren't able to uh, cast out this demon from this boy. And so they're asking, like, can you cast it out? Because we couldn't do it. And so I'm just going to read quick. Matthew 17, 14 to 20. It says, At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I, bought him, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. And so I just, as I read that, I just reminded, again, of the mountain-moving faith that Jesus encouraged his disciples and us to have. And uh, it can kind of seem cliche to think, oh, yeah, mountain-moving faith, faith as small as a mustard seed. But then you look at the context here, and Jesus here, he comes right off the mountain, the highest mountain in Israel. That's a visual reference for his disciples um, when he's talking about this. And his disciples are facing a spiritual dilemma in their ministry. They and they had done this before, and in Matthew 10, they had gone out, and they had cast out demons and done ministry and all of that, but here they come to this point, and for some reason, they can't, and it just seems like it's, Jesus is like, you didn't have faith, and for some reason, they were trying to do this in either their own strength, or they weren't trusting God at all, and so Jesus tells them, like, you have to have faith facing any spiritual battles that are in, in front of you, and so the same for us, as we've been talking um, and preparing for Nepal, just realizing, like, man, how are we going to go in and, and share with these people, just with these huge spiritual barriers, and just realizing we have to go in with bold faith, and um, we have to have faith that God's the one that's going to do that, because we both know uh, in our own strength we can't do that. Um, we're not strong, we're not um, super missionaries or anything like that. Uh, we just want to go and share the truth with people, and it is up to the Lord to work in their hearts, and so we have to have faith that he's going to do that. And so we're excited about that, but we also realize um, how humbling it is to go into that situation and how much we have to be trusting in the Lord. Um, and so this morning I want to encourage you guys with that, because I know you guys have mountains here too, <laughs> mountains you're facing, spiritual mountains. The people here in Jacksonville, a lot of them don't know the truth, and so you guys have that opportunity too. And so just encourage you to enter that with faith, faith that it's not up to you um, to change people, but it's up to God. He's the only one that can change their hearts. And um, he's the only one that can overcome those barriers that are, are keeping people from the truth. And so um, this morning, um, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for being a part of my ministry and pray that as we go forward, as we move forward, that you'll enter that in faith with us as well, because it's going to take a lot of prayer from you guys, um, from all our, our team um, as we go into that. And so we invite you to be a part of that. We want you to be a part of that and just have faith with us that God would work among the Tibetan people groups of Nepal, because so many of them are still they're some of the last unreached people groups of the world, and it's because they are, they're removed by mountains and by spiritual mountains. And so we're excited to be a part of that um, and excited for you guys to be a part of that with us as well. And briefly, I'm just going to share what's next, just so you guys know. Um, we're getting married on July 6th, so 
Uh, that's less than a month away, and we're excited about that. And um, after that, we're going to return to the training center where we've been working, our missions training center. Um, and we're waiting for Sarah. She's um, going to be, this is David and Sarah, they're going to be our teammates. And she's finishing up the training herself. And so we're waiting for them to finish up there. And a lot of people have encouraged us to wait till they're ready so that we don't go alone and they come six months to a year later, that we wait for them and go together. And so sometimes it's hard to be patient um, with that, to be honest, but because we're really excited and ready to go, but trying to be wise as well with um, the timing that God has for us and our team. So we're doing that. Um, I'm involved in mobilization full-time. I'm a full-time missionary uh, doing mobilization for the mission. So that involves encouraging young people, college students, people to get involved in the organization, and, and not just the organization, but reaching unreached people groups, um, wherever, however God uses that. And so I go to colleges, I've traveled all over the country to different conferences and things like that, and so that's a big part of my ministry. Uh, doing media is another one uh, that I use, that we use to help motivate and encourage people to take part in what God's doing. And so um, doing that, Ashley's doing childcare. She's teaching the kids of the students that are there, the missionaries, and so um, she enjoys that, and so we're both going to be doing that this, um, this fall um, and part of the spring as well, half of the spring. So we're committed to, to serve there, continue serving there full time, and so we're excited about that. Um, thank you guys so much for being a part of, of our lives, and we're excited to get to know you more and continue to journey with you in this.